Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Wednesday. Happy Humps Day. Hump Day. Oh my God. Oh my God. Do you know, like, here's like one of those days where just like nothing can come out of my mouth correctly. Um, and yes, even in the dirty ways. How are you guys doing? Are you okay? I pause like waiting for an answer because that's where I'm at in my life. This episode, we are going to talk about Trans in Trumpland, which is a docu-series which has been available since February 25th to U.S. and Canadian audiences through Topic.com and Topic channels through Apple TV and iOS, Roku, Amazon Fire, Android, and Amazon Prime video channels. I highly recommend it. Me and Aaron watched it all all at once together. It's beautifully shot. It's beautifully done. You're going to learn a lot. I learned a lot. Learned a lot. I'm not as informed as I need to be with trans issues and what's happening. There's actually some huge shit going on in Minnesota right now that I feel like I'm starting to get pressed that I actually learn about in this episode from Tony and Jamie, who I'm going to intro in a second. Uh, and then like the next day I was like on the internet and saw an article about it. And it's, it's very, very, it's just horrifying and it's scary. And it's just, why do people not understand? Everyone just wants to be treated equally and have the same rights. Anywho, uh, it's going to be said much more eloquently uh, in the docu-series, documentary series, Trans and Trumpland. And also, I was so lucky to get to sit down and interview the director and host of Trans and Trumpland, Tony Zoshrofton, and producer Jamie DiNicola. And together, they actually founded Trans Wave Films, a production company based in New York City. And um, I fell in love with them both. They are funny and hilarious and so smart and so interesting. And I can't wait for you guys to be, I was going to say exposed, but that feels weird. Just to, you know, to be introduced to them through this episode. And we talk a lot, obviously, about trans and trumpland and the people, the subjects that are in the docuseries and what we've learned and just all of that. And then we get to be, we get to be silly. And uh, I really... <laughs> I really want to thank them, Tony and Jamie, for opening up about dating stuff too, because it can be hard when you don't know the person that's interviewing you, and uh, it's hilarious. Anyway, go like, subscribe, rate, review, go watch Trans and Trumpland. I highly recommend it. I can't wait to see more. I can't wait to see what's coming next for Tony and Jamie, and I think you're going to enjoy. I watched last night. Me and Aaron both watched last night. We both loved it. We thought it was beautifully shot. We loved each individual individual story. It was all they were all very unique and very different perspectives of what's going on. My first question was: Was this hard to get 
produce to get like the green light for? Yeah. So Tony had come to me um, in, I guess, 2016, like just after Trump took office and he had the idea for it. And he was like, how are we going to get this done? Um, so we actually created like Transwave Films, the production company that he and I kind of run because of Trans and Trump Line, just because like how we knew it was going to be a bigger production. So we thought it'd be really important to have like a trans run and led production company behind it. Um, so then like because of kind of the gatekeeping that just exists in uh, fundraising, we uh, went to Kickstarter to get like our a bulk of our funding from there. And because Tony also put a lot of work into like getting like a trailer together and all of those things. Um, so we're able to do it that way. And then some like private donors as well, but mostly it was from the Kickstarter, which is really incredible to see the kind of community support that we got. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't realize that. Yeah. How would you summarize the the series for the audience members that haven't watched it just yet? Yeah. So um, Trans and Trumpland is a four episode docu-series and it's about the impact of the past four years under Trump and the effect that this administration had on the trans community. Um, Not only trans people, though, I would say all of Americans, um, because a lot of the issues discussed in the series are very intersectional. So there's a lot of discussion of racism, immigration, xenophobia. I would even say there's mentions of class inequality, just kind of in some of the images we captured and what they show. So that's how I would summarize it is it's like a time key, like it's a historical capsule at this point that viewers can watch in the future and understand what exactly exactly happened in the country politically. And how we got Trump. When I finished watching, the first question I had was, will there be more episodes? Like, I wanted more. I wanted more perspectives. That's something that America really struggles with, is not understanding that, like, like in the first episode, when you were talking to Ash, where he was like, it's already so hard being, like, a student. You're 14, 15, you've got homework, you've got this, you've got that. And then to add on top of this... And honestly, in that moment, I was like, I didn't really ever think about that. Like how much that adds on top of the already hard parts about just being like a fucking kid or being an adult, like dealing with the possibility of like ice and things like that. Just trying to be a person and like afraid you could get fucking murdered uh, just for who you want to be at your most authentic self. And like another thing I was wondering the whole time I was watching was for you, Tony, like, was it hard to really open up about like your story as well? Because I love that, that you did that. Like I thought it was very important and it helped the, um, the subjects in each episode kind of feel as if they can be more open as well. But that's a hard thing to do. That's a vulnerable thing to do. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely tough at times because um, even just the balancing act of directing behind the camera and being in front of the camera, it was definitely a lot of work. And I wasn't sure like how much during production I would share, but we just kind of went like we had a discussion, Jamie and the DP and I were like, well, where are the, where are the times when I can be present and tell my story and where are the times where the character needs their own space to be with their family and friends. So there was that. So kind of what happened was um, during production, we shot enough of me sharing my story, but then in post is where it came more together, where we realized that I had to do certain voiceovers or that I could kind of tie the characters together. And so I think it came from like an emotional place to share my story, but also like a practical place, like a film, like, that filmmaking, like editing process, um, we had to kind of tie the characters together and create a cohesive storyline. So we realized that there was a lot of themes of like family, 
loss, family acceptance, and also motherhood. So I thought like, well, I lost my mother and we had a tumultuous journey. So why don't I share more about that in post and kind of connect everyone together? So it was hard to be vulnerable at times. It's, it's still hard to like watch that fourth episode specifically in that scene at the cemetery. But I think maybe when trans people are like the creatives behind the camera and share a lot about themselves also, I think it can kind of be very powerful moments of connection that you don't see normally. Yeah, absolutely. How did you find each um, person for the documentary? So yeah, that was a, that was a process. Um, Shane and Rebecca were incredibly easy because Shane, I was friends with like for five years of, as a Facebook friend. And I kept seeing that he was involved with a lot of trans advocacy for the military. And so I just asked him randomly, I was like, Hey Shane, like we've been internet friends. Would you like to be part of my documentary series? And he said, he said, yes. Uh, Rebecca, Jamie and I had filmed back in 2018. So a year before production began in 2019. And we filmed a short about her that featured her story with ice. And when I, I approached Rebecca I said I really liked filming you I love your story would you like to be part of the full series and she said yes so two out of four were really easy the other two were a little bit harder to find specifically Ash I had to we had to like interview multiple families and we found Ash and Daisy through an organization I believe it's called P Flag Triangle which is in the Raleigh Durham area and they connected us to Ash and Daisy and we like love them and then uh Ivana was like a lot of networking with on Facebook with like the trans internet. And I posted a status. I was like, does anyone know an activist in the Jackson, Mississippi area? And someone said, yeah, Ivana. Wow. Yeah. I was wondering, cause again, like every person has such a different point of view and I was just wondering, was it like organic or not? That's really cool. Jane's episode I thought was also like everyone else is very interesting, but I really like that you guys talked about two spirit, because if I remember correctly, people, confused two spirit with non-binary and they're different. And I really like that because I have a lot of, had a lot of questions because I had a person on a few years back, Stevie, who is also trans. And they said perfectly that like language is always going to fail us. And I think that happens a lot with like when trying to explain what it is like to be trans or to transition or to identify as non-binary or two spirit, there gets a lot of confusion. But Shane did an amazing job just making it very clear and direct of what their experience is as being two spirit. This documentary series just has so much information that is very like gently put onto the viewer. Do you guys have anything planned for the future? Not necessarily with this documentary, but anything together. Yeah, so Tony and I, like through Transway Films, are working on like a queer trans dating show, which is kind of out of our wheelhouse typically because we do more like doc and narrative stuff. But we're excited to kind of show a more like lighthearted side of the trans and queer community. Um, and then I am also finishing up um, some script work on a biopic um, about a trans activist from the 1980s. It's amazing. So. Thank you. Yeah. So we're trying to get it out there, you know, trying to do some pitch work and networking and stuff like that right now. It just made me think that like, yeah, I, the only thing I can think of right now, that's like not a documentary, not um, like serious nonfiction is Pose. And that obviously is like one, not enough. I actually haven't even watched it yet. And I know it's amazing. Aaron's like, I need you to watch the season first season so we can watch season two together. But again, it goes to like representation of like the more it's just put out in the world, the more people can 
learn and can figure out like what's going on with themselves too. Someone talked about like the internet on the episode on an episode like a year ago, and it was just like the internet's great and it's the worst at the same time, right? Because the internet created these safe havens for people that had no clue what was going on inside themselves and how helpful it is. But then you get also like QAnon and then you get Parlor. You get like, there's like no in between. It's like these really great things and these really like shitty things. And it's like, cool, awesome, love it. Yeah, basically just like the more, the better. Oh yeah, for sure. I was going to say like kind of along those lines of representation, like Pose is phenomenal and I love it so much. And the people who work on it are incredible, but it's also... There's no like trans masculine representation at all in Pose, really. So Tony and I are trying to do our best to kind of represent like I think a whole sect of the community that's been kind of like left on the wayside in a lot of ways in terms of media representation. Absolutely. The other question that I had was, were you guys able to go to the um, the Black Trans March in Brooklyn? I don't believe I don't believe I went to that one. I went to a couple um, in New York and um, one in Jersey City um, around that time. But I love that you guys like ended with footage from that. Me and Aaron were able to go, and we did like the full uh, the march from the museum to the park, Fort Green Park. And I have also I'm just I keep saying I've talked about the episode just for for listeners. I did an episode about it because it was such a different experience than any of the other protests or any of the other marches. It felt like this like baptism in a way. And it just very openly talked about how we've fucked up, like how we've not shown up. Um, It was just after like Nina Pop had been murdered, how quickly we forget like certain names uh, when they don't fit like a certain profile that they want to put in like the media. Like I don't ever think uh, there ever was like a huge, huge uproar about Nina Pop as much as there was with like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And it just felt really important. And it just felt very um, necessary to come to terms with like, we've like fucked up. We haven't shown up. We're still not showing up in a lot of ways. We're still not doing what we need to do, especially with this past administration. Do you guys feel hopeful in the Biden administration? Um, I personally am like way too left to be excited about Biden, Same. but I do think he's like at least a movable president. Like he can be kind of organized to the left and move to the left with enough kind of grassroots organizing. Whereas Trump, it was just like a total fucking lost cause. Like no matter what you did, wasn't going to change the heinous policies. So I do, I'm a little bit more hopeful, um, but I definitely think like, the class inequalities in this country right now kind of going to come to a head at some point, And I don't think Biden's the solution to those. Absolutely. I'm the same. I'm, I'm socialist before like Democrat and Biden was like the last fucking resort. Totally. If we're talking in terms of like trans rights issues that are of course like inextricably tied to like economic issues. Um, I think, you know, economically speaking, the trans community is not going to get better under Biden, but in terms of like actually having protections on a state level, I think because things like the Equality Act recently passed in the House, there is some movement being made in terms of in terms of like just baseline, like fundamental rights for queer and trans people. But kind of like I think that kind of brilliantly Tony was able to kind of weave together in trans and Trump land is that just because there's this movement on the federal level doesn't mean that in the state level there's not going to be like immense political backlash. Like you see that right now with like Alabama trying to pass like a law that can criminalize doctors and young trans kids for getting trans care at a young age. Um, and then in Montana recently, a bill like 
that uh, would not allow students who are trying to be on a certain athletic team to be on the team that aligns with their gender identity. So I think like you'll see perpetually these states' rights issues keep coming up around trans rights. Yeah, it's like horrifying how much power the states have, but it's not. Like I don't want too much government power, but then it's also like when, like watching Texas and Mississippi lift the mask bans and just opening up 100%. As someone who used to work at Trader Joe's, it's just like, you're killing people. And now you're going to, you're literally going to kill people that can't get you know, trans health. That's what really like got me mad while watching Shane's episode was like, I have a military background as in that I'm a military brat. My dad was in the army for like 20 plus years. And so we all know, we all know how much fucking money is in that budget and how disgusting it is. And just when he was like, it would cost 7 million a year, like literally a drop in a fucking bucket. And I was just like, ugh. And then it made me go back to when Bill Clinton did the whole don't ask, don't tell thing. And I remember that. I remember being like six or seven and my dad being like, yeah, it's easier that way. Like this is better for everyone. And like being six or seven, being like, that feels weird though. Like you're telling someone not to be themselves fully. Like you're still telling people to hide shit. And it was just like, how like Clint was fucking like applauded for that. Like this is a great solution. So I got very, I got the most emotional during, during Shane's episode just because it was like bring so much stuff from the past. And I know I'm preaching to the choir and I'm not well-informed enough, but it's just the bare minimum that I know. It's just like, how could you go to sleep at night knowing that you just tried to pass this law? Like how, how do you sleep? If it's not affecting you, like why does it fucking matter? And that's how I always try to look at it. It's like whenever I've like babysat kids that have questions or like get mad about certain things, I'm just like, does it affect you? Does it affect you that like your friend thinks they're, they might be bi? No, it doesn't. So your best thing you can do is, you know, be their friend because you love them for who they fucking are. And then being in like this whole like Biden administration, you're still just like, there is that helpless feeling of like, it's not fair to have former years of these questions, that type of stress, it takes a toll and no one talks about that. And again, like you guys do such a good job talking about that in this documentary series. Basically, I'm just kind of ranting because I love your documentary series. Glad you liked it. I always get nervous when I don't know people that I'm interviewing and then I get nervous when I really like what they did. So that's why I keep being like, "Uh," but then... So thank you guys. You guys are being great and being super patient with me. No, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Like kind of the humanizing nature of the, of the series, I think like will allow people and invite people in that might not be as, you know, aware of the issues that we've been discussing. So I think, you know, Tony had a really good vision for like how to humanize the characters. And I think it was really kind of like well executed. And while you guys were like making this and obviously, you know, you're watching like different ages go through things and it probably, I'm assuming brought up things in your past that you guys thought about. Would you change the past for, for yourself? I think for me, I'm very happy to be trans because I feel like it's given me a lot of wisdom and awareness that a lot of people don't have. Um, personally, I would because I would love to have started transitioning physically at Ash's age because you hit this point if you start at like 13 or 14 before puberty hits. So you could potentially not have to have like chest surgery or top surgery, which would have been really cool. Oh. Yeah. So you can get on like hormone blockers and start testosterone. Um, I also think that because I grew up in such a 
different generation where I didn't find out I was trans until 19, like it really would have saved me from a lot of like episodes of depression and not feeling like I fit in and dating opportunities. So I absolutely would have, um, that's different for everyone, but that's just personally how I feel is that I am a big advocate for trans youth and their healthcare. And I feel like if a trans person comes out at whatever age, they should be able to transition or stop puberty. And yeah, I think it would have made my life better for the first part of my life. I'm pretty happy now, but I wouldn't say it's a regret because I wasn't able to access the rights that I should have because of society. I think it's more of like a travesty, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for your answer. Sure. I didn't even realize that like if you started at a certain time, you could avoid like chest surgery and things. And like- it, it just goes back to how like, you know, ass backward these like laws are and stuff because if people could get, you know, the healthcare that they needed, it would actually save money in like, you know, our total like healthcare bill of America. So it's so dumb. What, uh, what do you hope people mostly come out of when they watch uh, Trans and Trump land? I really hope that they realize that trans people are human um, because I think a lot of trans narratives kind of focus on this story that we're like miserable and we're not finding love or we're not supported by our family. And I think the series shows that. So I think the viewer should understand how horrific it is in a lot of these states for trans people. But I also want them to see that we are supported by our communities as well. We're your neighbors, we're in church with you, we go to school with you. Um, Because I think that a lot of people in America have still not met a trans person that they don't see on TV, like a, a trans person that's just like down the street. So what I think they'll take away or hope they take away is to know that we're, we deserve equal rights, just like everyone else. And just to see that we don't have just one experience as well. We're very diverse, just like everyone else. Um, some of us are binary gender identities. Some of us are non-binary, and that's totally valid. So I think it'll hopefully kick off a conversation about trans rights and what we need. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Not until I moved to New York did I did I start having like trans friends. Even on the podcast, like I've definitely had people come on and I always get a little I get nervous because you you don't know. You don't know enough. You don't want to say something that is offensive. You don't want to misuse pronouns. You don't want to in any way put this burden on someone just because they also are trans. It's like, I want you on the podcast and this is also part of you, if that makes sense. So I guess what I'm asking is like, so as a person who, um, as like a cisgender person who identifies as female, what are like the best ways to like be there and, and help and like actively listen and actively change? I guess one thing that kind of came up recently, and I think it's something that like, people think they should do because they've heard it before or read it somewhere. But if like, there's only like one trans person in the group and you know that they're trans and then all of a sudden you're like asking for pronouns, it's like very fishy. And I think trans people like pick up on that really quickly and then automatically feel othered when they're trying to be made to feel included. So that was just like a quick tip I had versus people. <laughs> like, pronouns are nice, but like maybe you don't do it all the time. And especially when you know that you're just doing it because there's like one or two trans people in the room. It's just like, it's, you're not being subtle. And like, we totally now feel othered. I, yeah, that's a really good point. And I read an essay by uh, Chrissy. I cannot remember the last name, but they wrote an essay about like 
why they don't owe you their pronouns. It's like you're saying, you're like kind of like othering someone, you're putting them on the spot. It's this extra like added layer of just like, you don't treat anyone else like that. Why Why do I have to? Do you have any other like pet peeves that you're just like, Ugh, you guys, like, I know you mean well, but like, stop it. Um, when people say you look so good, I think it's kind of like, I'm, I'm like, thank you for like my beard, but also like, that's really weird. <laughs> And I think also too, like assuming that we have like all the experience of like this bad gender dysphoria and depression, then we transition it all goes away. There's a lot of people that love the, for example, the genitalia they were given, or they don't really identify as particularly masculine or feminine or they're non-binary. So I think kind of like uh, making sure that like, for example, like Jamie said, if you're in a group setting and there's trans people and cis people, everyone share their pronouns, like, you know. Um, that can make people feel included and just don't assume that like a trans person is going to feel the same way, which is, or like have a certain experience, which is actually easier than I think it is. So that's what I would say that cis people can do. And also please advocate for our rights. Um, we're kind of all tired of advocating for our rights at this point on the federal and state level. So take the charge, uh, call someone out in your community who makes a transphobic comment advocate for a local law that's trans inclusive or at the state level, fight back, you know, share your, share your voice as well. Um, because these people I think have a lot of privilege and power and we can be helped by that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, another thing I just thought of along the vein of like Tony and I being, you know, like trans creatives and filmmakers, like there have been a lot of like brands that approach us and it's like, they've like hired a production company, but then the production company wants to seem trans inclusive because the film that they're making is about trans people. And they're like, oh, can we like hire you as like a consultant or something? And like an easy way to not have to go about making trans creatives feel tokenized is to just like hire them directly to make trans content. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that's something that Tony and I have kind of, you know, had to deal with a lot. Like, are we being hired simply because we are trans or because we're good filmmakers, you know? Um, And I Mm -hmm. think in a lot of ways, like brands are just trying to have like good PR. Um, instead of actually like putting their money where their mouth, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. And if you actually want to tell trans stories, why not like hire the multitude of beautiful, creative trans filmmakers or creatives that are out there that you can hire to tell that story? I want to also ask, how did you guys meet personally? Like what's your guys' story of, of meeting and then creating this company? Uh, yeah. So Jamie and I met, I want to say 2012 or 2013. And uh, we met on Facebook and Jamie found like the like Kickstarter type thing that I was doing for my first short called I'm Isaac about a trans guy in Norway. So I, I approached him, we were talking and then he's like, oh, um, I would love to edit your film or I asked him and he edited my first film. And then we like our friendship grew and we kept working on things over the years. And then finally, when I approached him in 2016 and I was like, you know, trans and Trump lands, like what I want to do next. Then in either 2018 or 2019, we formed Transway Films together because we knew that we wanted to go to the next level with our film career. We had to kind of like form an LLC, a formal production company. So yeah, we we met like way back when. Um, And over the years, we've done a lot of activism together, um, short films together, other kinds of films. So we've just kind of realized like we work well together because we just get things done. Nice. Yeah, I'm a I'm like a double Virgo, and he's a Capricorn. So, like, <laughs> so it works well together. Yeah. Wait, I thought you were a Sagittarius. So I'm a Sag Sun, and then I'm a like a Virgo uh, Moon and Rising. Okay, because I I just learned. 
So I'm Leo Cancer rising. And you're supposed to go off of your rising more is what I just so learned. So apparently it's, and I'm no expert by any means, but apparently like your rising is like what kind of the world sees you as. So like, I think most people kind of see me as a Virgo because I'm like a little bit, I love spreadsheets. And even though I'm like my sun sign is a Sag. And then Tony, you are a Cap Moon, right? And Scorpio rising. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So like I'm Sag, Sun, Scorpio rising and Cap Moon. And I've been told that like I have intense energy, like people either really love me or they like kind of fear me. So I'm Scorpio rising. So that makes sense. Plus I'm like very intuitive, which is like Scorpio is but then jamie and i what works well is like our earth thing so like jamie's double virgo and my cat moon and my the capricorn all over my chart works well because like cap and virgo they just they need to get things done and they're very work oriented very organized so i feel like if if jamie or i were like really spacey libras with that we wouldn't work so well we wouldn't own a production company if we were libras. yeah <laughs> yeah um what was your first impression of each other I don't remember the first time. I feel like it was at the Philly Trans Health Conference. It probably was. I think I yeah. really, yeah, we get along so well too because like him and I are both first generation trans men, which is like a very unique kind of niche experience, like to come from a family of immigrants. And that's like a whole shit show, like having them understand trans issues when they can like barely understand, you know, how kind of to navigate a new country and stuff like that. So. I think, yeah, I think it's a lot of commonalities with like our cultures. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, like when I met, uh, well, Jamie, uh, just talking to him, he was really nice. And he was like, I think your project's interesting. And then when I saw like how talented he was with like his filmmaking skills, including editing, I was like, okay, this is someone I want to work with because he gets things done, but he's also like big picture creative. And yeah, we just like, we understand that like in part, like our family kind of doesn't understand what we do. Like they mm-hmm. just want us to be lawyers or doctors. And I was even in healthcare before I became a filmmaker part-time just to kind of appease my family. So we kind of understand that, that like they don't fully understand. Like when we say our series is on Amazon Prime and Apple TV, they're like, what? Like even if we were on Netflix or Hulu or won an Oscar, they would be like, what? They don't get it. Yeah, they were like, when are you going to work in, like, because I went to law school because my family wanted me to because they're like first generation. Yeah, I could have like something win an Oscar and they'll still be like, when are you going to go like work in law? Oh, that's so frustrating. Yeah. Oh, well, my best friend, she went to law school and she, I think she truly regrets it. (laughs) So I'm glad you were able to do what you love. Yeah. What were you doing in healthcare before you uh, moved to more film? Um, I was uh, a registered nurse, actually. So I didn't feel like I could make film work. It's really competitive and it's really hard to make it like financially viable. So I mm-hmm. did, I was a registered nurse like full time and then did part time like filmmaking. So I like balanced the two. And what I would do is on my vacation, going back to like 2015 on my vacations from work as a nurse i would go and film my my stuff so like two or three weeks like film my docs and then because especially trans filmmakers we have a lot of barriers to gaining the same funding and exposure that cis filmmakers have so i essentially like until i felt like i could take the risk and like feel like i had something that would be like commercially viable and trans and trumpland that's when i was like all right let's roll with this you know that had to be so exhausting just because being a nurse is so exhausting. My mom was a nurse. And I'm pretty sure she hated it. I think she was like a nurse for 15 years and she truly fucking hated it. No, I did it for three years. And like, 
I, it also coincided when like, with like me losing my mom in 2018. So like I was caring for people emotionally and physically. And I think people don't realize like how much nurses do. And I did it for three years and I got so emotionally and physically exhausted from it. That I was like, I can't do it. And I also didn't feel like I was like really tapping into my creative energy and like following my passion. And I realized like, why did I do this? And it was largely because it's like a conventional career that's like stable and safe. I'm like, that's just not the type of person I am. It's really freaking exhausting. And like nurses deserve so much more credit than doctors do. Like nurses do a lot, make medical decisions, take care of people. They sometimes work as like, even just do like CNA roles, like changing people. Like it's just, it's a tough career. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They deserve so much more pay, so much more support. Absolutely. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Since you guys work together, like, I've known each other for so long, do you guys, uh, you know, talk personal stuff? Like, do you guys talk dating? Are you ever like, why are you, why are you dating this person? Or like, oh, yeah. Lots of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm asking like personal like dating questions, like spill the tea on like your dating oh my God. Only if you're comfortable. Totally. Yeah. Tony and I had like obviously talked about this stuff all the time. Tony once came with me on a date that I thought was a regular ass date. And turns out she didn't tell me in advance that she was Polly and she brought another date on our date. Oh my God. And Tony was there and he was like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't made aware of this. So like very unethical kind of non-monogamy situation. Um, but that was horrible. It was so bad. Yeah. I feel like everything I've learned about Polly is like, you have to over communicate everything. Yeah. To make sure everyone's on the same page. How did that night end? Uh, basically with like me dropping her off at her house and then like never answering any of her text messages again. <laughs> <laughs> classic ghost sometimes you gotta go sometimes they just don't get it yeah i mean she deserved a, a ghosting i think at that point so and it was also like a cis guy that she brought to the date too this is a straight guy so that's like uh, and it was to reese beach it was like brought it brought him to a queer trans place too with like a trans guy it was a hot mess and they were like making out like her and the dude like the yeah. whole time and me i was like with jamie on like the beach towel and we were like looking at them it was so awkward i'm like how can you literally not understand that this is hurtful so it's like was she intentional in doing that or just like like out there like she was like in the cloud she was a libra too yeah I was going to say, she sounds super spacey. She was a space cadet. She was an absolute space cadet. Yeah. 
Oh, that's honestly, that to me is the worst when it's like, you're so hurtful that you don't even realize it. Like that is like one of my biggest pet peeves. It's like, no, your actions affect other people. Like zero self-awareness. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm single. I feel like I had a breakup in July. Um, we dated for nine months and then, uh, like my longest relationship was like three years. I have the worst dating luck. Don't know what it is have good career luck and whatever friend luck and whatever else. I have so many dating stories. I mean, I'll take it back back again to like Libras. I have a thing that I'm very anti-Libra because I essentially got strung along for six months by my ex before this recent ex. Her name was Carla. Um, there you go, Carla. If you're watching this, oh, I'm, calling, I'm calling you out. Um, she like... Okay, so she started dating me right after she broke up with her ex-girlfriend, which like, I that's, that's a red flag. I should have listened to that, but they were broken up for like a month or two. Where do I even begin? So let's take it to the second date. She, I brought her to dinner and painting night. Okay, this is in Manhattan. She starts like talking about the instructor being cute obsessively. And I looked at her, I was like, do you, I literally looked at her, I was like, do you want to go home with him? Because I can leave. And I literally said that to her and she like, Scorpio. that's my Scorpio. I, I get petty. And she was like, Oh, I don't get it. I was like, what do you get? You're literally talking about the instructor being cute. And she's like, Oh, but my ex-girlfriend and I used to talk all the time about guys being cute. I'm like, that's not, that also is not normal. Like, I don't know what to tell you. That's it's weird. So there was that date. So for six months, she didn't want to be official. And I'm like, we've been dating for mm. six months. Like, um, she's just like breadcrumbed all the time. She was breadcrumbing me all the time. So give yeah. me, she would give me enough to keep me interested for the six months. But like, even we went to a trip at that, the end of those six months, like Yellowstone. And even then we had a good time and she still didn't want to come into me. I'm like, we spent time in a, in a tent in Yellowstone bonding for two weeks and you still don't want to commit to me. So then two yes yeah two weeks we were out we went to like colorado too we went to a friend's wedding so then oh it gets better wedding (laughs) yeah it's horrible no it's awful she literally she was awful so then oh my god then after six full months she finally was like i you know can't see you anymore because i'm moving to connecticut to take this like education job so i was like okay cool she broke up with me on the phone two weeks later my inbox, I get an email from her that's like five billion pages long. And I'm like abroad in Greece, like with my family there. And I show them the email. They're like, dude, she's psychotic. This is crazy. They were like, end it. So I intentionally was like, I emailed her back and I was like, set her like a bunch of questions to answer to see like how committed she was. I intentionally did not respond for like two months while I was there in Greece. I came back. I did hook up with her like that, <laughs> like two months later. <laughs> but you do, it happens. But then I found my um, recent ex um, and I dated her and like two weeks later. And then I, I like, then I texted Carla and I was like, I just want to let you know I'm dating someone that's going well. I never want to talk to you again. <laughs> So I was like, got the last word, and then I blocked her, and then I blocked her. So that's my story with Carla. That was very Scorpio of you too. Very Scorpio. Yeah. Honestly. I'm here for it though, because that was really shitty how she treated you the whole fucking relationship that and like the second date, that is weird to me. That's also weird behavior. Like 
I'll like turn to Aaron and be like, oh, this person's hot or this person's like got a good butt and he'll do the same. But that's like as far as we'll go about like talking about someone's looks, like too obsessively talk about it. That's really weird. I don't like that. That would make me uncomfortable. And, all, and literally everything else she did was like, oh, God. Like for me, I totally understand that like how I view relationships as dating and like how serious you are front like after three months, like, I feel like you should commit to each other, but like ditto to what Jamie said. And like, at the same time, he was dating a Libra as well. So like caution to anyone dating Libras, like she breadcrumbed me the whole time. So she would give me enough to keep me interested for those six months, but like would keep me at a distance. Like at one point she's like, I just have a problem that we see each other every weekend. I'm like, you know that that's, it's been three months. Like we see each other every weekend. People sometimes do seven days a week. And I remember just like, she would also make fun of like, I've had bottom surgery. So I'll open up about that. But like, she made really weird comments, like transphobic comments about me. And I would tell her, I'm like, you're part of the queer community. You don't understand that's transphobic. And she was like, I don't get it. I'm like, it's transphobic. You're making fun of my dick. Like, what are you doing? Um, so she was awful. And Carla, if you're listening to this, yeah, you were awful. <laughs> fuck you Carla you didn't say her last name who cares like fuck you Carla, <laughs> Carla. this is like Tony's dream right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we can make that happen <laughs> oh my god have you tried dating uh during the pandemic after July like have you tried like the zoom dating and stuff like that oh I, girl it's like a nightmare it's been a <laughs> it's been a disaster. Um, I was like in Florida for a few months ago and I got connected to someone who, a woman who lives in Fort Lauderdale and she ended up being a horse girl. I don't, that's a whole, yes, uh, red flag. Um, Jamie and I, it's been a running joke in our friend group. Okay. Yeah. I always, Tony always tries to date girls that have like weird exotic animals in the profile pic. And I'm always like, (laughs) dude, that's a red flag. If there's an animal other than a dog or a cat, like run. And he never listens to me. And then he pays the price like nine months later. <laughs> what is like the the craziest exotic animal you've like responded to in a in a profile pic? Horse girl, horse girl, that you know that happens. Like that there's that's a big well, group of girls. <laughs> my ex, my recent ex, not Carla, was Lizard Bay. So that that's okay. Like a lizard was fine, but Jamie warned me. This is during yeah. production Transit Trapland, like 2019. He's like, do not date her. She has a lizard and a fish. <laughs> and I was like, didn't listen. She ended up being a crazy anime obsessed person. Now, this is like even three weeks We're ago. We're like offending probably like large swaths of all these listeners. I'm so sorry, lizard <laughs> Lizard owners and anime people were very sorry. (laughs) So sorry. But the horse, that that was bad. She, I like, I was like listening to him and our friend group, and I was like, oh, what are you know, it's caution ahead, the horse girl. She she has a horse, right? And then when she texted me, I was like, what did you do this past week? She goes, Monday and Tuesday, I woke up at 4 a.m. to feed my horse. I was like, deuces, I'm out. I cannot do horse bay. Nope. I ghosted. And she also had a mask that was a horse-like mask. Oh, uh, yes. Horrible, I horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to like horse... Well, again, if you are a horse girl, do you? It's one thing... For me, it's... There's like two levels of dating a horse girl. There's a person that like... A girl that likes a horse and then a girl that has a horse. They're like, it, there's different like intensity levels. Very different. There's different intensity levels for sure. That's like the key thing that like Jamie and my friends help me realize. They're like, it's one thing to like like horses 
but the horse is hers and she wakes up and she had a horse mask and that horse was in three out of six photos on her okay keep it red flags i ran away i was like i need to go away red flag she was like how was your friday night i was like ghost ghosted Because the thing is, like, the horse will always be the first in the relationship. If, if like, the that's horse, the thing. Like, if exactly. you were okay yeah. with being second to that relationship with her and her horse, then go for it. But, like, the horse comes first for it. The I mean, horse yeah. probably gave her her first orgasm. Oh, my God. Probably was there for her first breakup. I've never ridden a horse, but I've ridden other things that I was like, that was, that was an orgasm. Damn, that, that's that crazy. That did some, and it was wild. Have you ever dated a parrot person? No, no, but I'll definitely tell Tony to not if he ever shows me a profile picture with someone with a parrot. Jamie, who do you want him to like look for in like dating apps? Like if, yeah. if he would actually listen to you. I know, I know. I so it's hard. <laughs> he never <laughs> it's difficult. I love this. It's difficult. Um I mean, yeah, me and my I have a partner and we're always trying to tell him to like steer clear of like the air signs generally because he's way too like grounded of a person to be with like a space cadet and yeah avoid the like exotic animals um i think he needs someone who's like into traveling and like sporty kind of and like someone who's like really good at just being like socially aware and like kind of can read a room because he tends to be with people who like can't read a room and it's like awkward and, but tony can read a room so it's odd that he keeps attracting like women who can't read a room you know like Jamie and I were going through a similar thing with Libras and then he found his partner and it's like a really good partner for him. And I was like, I was so happy because we had had a hard time dating, but I just like, I agree that I need to listen to Jamie and my friends because like ditto to what I he said, like I need someone grounded has like a career and independence, like wants to travel and explore the world and has social skills. Like I'm attracting these weirdos that don't have social skills with weird pets if you're listening to this, text me. <laughs> Find me on Instagram at Tony Z Films. I'm normal. I'm in therapy, so I'm grounded. <laughs> we can attest. He is normal. <laughs> also, to piggyback off, I would also say maybe try to not someone who has an animal that they really, really love. Because I, I sort of dated this dude that like loved his fucking dog, like loved this dog. When we had sex the first time, the dog was on the bed and I was like, can we move the dog? And he was like, no. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, mm, I don't like this. And so it ended basically after that, but something, there's something about like the, the animal comes first. Like that after that, that was like a red flag for me. Cause at first I was like, Oh, like look how well he takes care of this person or this like animal person. Will he take care of people, people that well? The answer is no. It's usually the not. Animal comes yeah, first. the animal comes first a lot of the time. Yeah, you gotta watch out for that, Tony. How did you and your partner meet? Uh, we actually met on Lex. Uh, I don't know what that is. Is that a um, it's an app? It's like a queer. Yeah, it's like a queer dating app, but it's like there's no pictures involved. It's just like you kind of write a, a write a personal about yourself uh, and what you're looking for, and then they like answer uh, the personal. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's like literally the complete opposite of like Grinder. I know it's really cute. It's very very cute. Aw, how long have you guys been together? Like a, a year and year and three months, something like that. Oh shit! So you guys like started dating like right before we, yeah, right before. Like we finished production on Trans and Trumplet, and then like that's that's when I met her pretty much right after. And we finished production like December, so like right before the lockdown happened. Yeah, December of 2019. Yeah. Are you guys living together, or did you guys stay separate? No, we live together. Live together. Yeah. Okay. 
Wow. Well, you know, the relationship will last because it's like, if you've gotten through the past year with someone in an apartment, oh, yeah. you're, you're golden. No, you're fine. Yeah, we're great. We're a good match. She's an Aries. Do you guys know um, Channy Nichols? Yeah. We, well, we know of her. Uh, Tony's like a big fan. You like have her app, right? Yeah. yeah. Her app. Oh, nice. That. Her horoscopes about like creativity and stuff just like are killer. Mm-hmm. I send them to Jamie for Sag and they're spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, before I forget for the viewers, when is it officially out on Amazon prime? Yeah. So it came out, uh, February 25th. So it's, uh, viewable, available across Apple TV, Amazon prime and uh, topic, which you can, it's like an app that you could download right onto your Apple TV. Um, so if you just like Google trans and Trump land, it'll pop right up and then you can press Amazon prime. It's like a seven day free trial that you can do via topic, like similar to how like Cinemax is like an added price kind of thing. Um, just do the seven day free trial and then you can watch it all on Amazon Prime. Awesome. Well, I'd also like, I'd love to have you guys back on at any point. If you guys, uh, you know, down the road with new projects, would love to have you guys back to talk about those projects and, and Tony's next new ex and horse girl. <laughs> Hopefully, I feel good. Yeah. I feel good for your, for your next, your next person. I think like, uh, it reminds me of when I was also attracting like the wrong people. And then finally I sat down and was like, I want this, this, and this, and then actively like search for that. And so I feel like very good for you. Cause I feel like that's where you're at right now. It's like, you're like, I want this. I want someone that can read a room. In the past, I wouldn't have like listened to like Jamie and my friends, like being like steer clear. And I did this time. So I'm like, that's a step in the right direction. And I will only accept mammals, cats and dogs, and you can't be obsessed <laughs> with your pet. <laughs> I love it. You got a good list. That's the takeaway from this episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beware of horse girls. Exactly. Beware of horse girls and lizards. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a great Wednesday. I hope you are looking up Googling trans and trampoline right away. It will also, there will be information in know the little info on this podcast episode too if you want to go there yeah i hope you enjoy go watch trans and trump land and thank you tony and thank you jamie for sitting down with me and just being the awesome people that you are um yeah remember guys wash your hands wear your mask um if you can get the vaccine go get it and uh we'll talk soon okay bye